0: Welcome to Slate Church. We are so excited that you're joining us for Church Online today. We have an incredible service ahead of us. If you don't know me, my name is Victoria Betger and I am one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church together with my husband, Luke. We pastor together with Brandon and Emma Richardson. And again, we are so excited that you're joining us for Church Online today. If this is your first time joining in or maybe you've been joining in for a while but you haven't connected with us yet, we would love for you to fill out one of our online connect cards. It's gonna come up in the chat if you're watching during one of our service times or you can go to our website and fill that out we would love to connect with you get to know you answer any questions that you might have we also have an invite button that is coming up in the chat right now we would love for you to invite your friends and family to join us for service today so why don't you go ahead click that button and invite some friends and family and we would love for them to tune in with us but hey, we're gonna start our service with worship as we always do. So why don't you stand up, move around a little bit, get those hands ready to be to be raised in worship as our tea our team leads us in worship today.
1: Arise, my soul. Remember this. He took
2: lives in me For I was dead in sin But I woke up to see the light
1: No, I won't boast But in the cross That saved my soul The grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer
2: I live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin. Lives in me, for I was dead in sin, But I woke up to see the light.
1: Oh, Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living
2: hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. Salvation in
1: your name Jesus Christ My living hope Then came the morning That sealed the promise Your buried body Began to breathe Out of the silence The roaring lion declared, the grave has no claim on
3: me. Then came the morning
1: that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe.
2: The roaring lion declared the grave, has no claim on me, Jesus, yours is the victory. Selfish
4: Come on, let's sing Peace Like a River. Peace like a river, wash over me. Immerse me in water as deep as the sea. Hide me in love, your healing embrace peace like a river wash over me
5: as I worship your majesty I worship your holy name Jesus my everything all that I am is your
4: We sing, come Holy Spirit.
5: Come Holy Spirit, rain down on me. Break open the heavens and drench the unseen. Pour out your presence, we pour out your praise. Come Holy Spirit, Lord have your way As I worship, so worship your majesty I worship your holy name Jesus my everything All that I am I worship Your Majesty. I worship Your holy name, Jesus, my, my everything. Oh. the gates flood every heart with mercy pour out your presence and have it our praise as we cry holy holy open the heavens fling wide the gates flood every heart with mercy pour out your presence and have it our praise As we cry holy, holy Open the heavens And wide the gates flood every heart with mercy Pour out your presence And have it our praise As we cry holy,
4: Send revival Lord send it now Move of your spirit Heaven break out Come now in power Cover this land Like you've done it before Would you do it again? Lord send revival Lord send it now Move of your spirit Heaven break out Come now in power, cover this land. I keep done it before, would you do it again?
5: Lord send revival, Lord send it now. Move your spirit, your heaven break out. Come now in power, cover this land. I keep done it before, would you do it again? Lord send a revival. Lord send it now. The move of your spirit. Heaven, break. This leg, you've done it before. you do it again?
0: Well, hey, wasn't that an amazing time of worship? Thank you to our incredible worship team for leading us week in and week out and doing a phenomenal job. We're gonna take some time now and pray for the prayer requests that are come in throughout the week. We are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Every Thursday morning, we also take time to pray over the prayer requests that come in at 6.30 a.m. We would love for you to join us. You can go to our website and find out all the info about that. But this week we are praying for someone who is struggling with fertility, amen. And we're praying that someone would find a mentor. We're praying that someone may find a job in their field upon graduation. We're praying for comfort over a family who lost their grandfather this past weekend. We're also praying for strength and peace for someone as they begin to plan to leave an abusive home situation during the midst of COVID. We're gonna be praying for that. We're praying for someone's father as they have been on a respirator for nearly two months. Lots of different needs going on, but we also know that we have a God who cares, who sees every single need, whether or not you've submitted a prayer request or maybe you have something right now in your heart that you're thinking of. We're gonna believe for God to to move in in all these situations and in your situation. So why don't you stretch out a hand towards the screen and let's pray together as one church. God, we thank you that your name is above every other name, God. We thank you that in you we have hope, we have peace, we have joy, and we, we know that you are a miracle-working God that can make a way where there seems like there is no way, God. So we pray for every single prayer request. We pray for, uh, for, the, for the family that is struggling with fertility. We pray for you to just begin to move in that situation, God. We pray for uh, for the person who is graduating, God. I just pray that you will, will bless them and that you will be um, guiding them as they head into to the future that you have for them, God. We pray for the for uh, for the for the family that lost their grandfather, God. We just pray that you will surround them with your comfort as they are grieving the loss of their grandfather, God. And we're praying for the, for the person who's leaving an abusive home situation. We just pray that you will come alongside that person and that you will uh, just guide them as they take these bold steps forward God we just pray for every single request that is prayer request that is represented that has been written down or the people that are watching and tuning in today God we just pray that you will meet every single need and that your name will be glorified in your name we pray amen amen every week we also take time to read out the praise reports that come in throughout the week and this is such a great time to just let this encourage you and remind you of God's goodness and his faithfulness so this week we are Praising God uh, for someone who's thankful for their connect group. Hey, we love connect groups here at Slate Church. They are phenomenal groups of community. Someone is thankful that they have been consistent in spending time in God's presence, reading and studying the Bible. That is so awesome. Someone is thankful for the beautiful weather. Aren't you thankful for the beautiful weather we've had this week? I know I sure am. Someone is thankful that they are able to spend lots of time with family. Someone is thankful for the provision of a house. Come on. And someone is thankful for job opportunities and financial provision. So much to be thankful for, and we are celebrating with all of these praise reports. Hey, as a church, we love generosity. We are a church, one of our values is that we want to embrace a lifestyle of abundant generosity. And to encourage us in our generosity today, we have
6: Pastor Emma. You know, something that Brandon and I have often said is that we can't afford not to give. You know, I love talking about giving here at Slate Church and our our generosity and our ability to financially give uh, back out of what God has given to us, because we really believe that we cannot afford not to give. You know, sometimes it can be easy to think, well, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? Uh, You know, if you weren't to give, you'd have more money in your account and then you'd have more money. But the reality is, church, that God's economy works differently from ours. When we give to God, it is incredible the blessing that is poured out, not only on our lives, but what He can do through our resource to reach other people to see God's kingdom grow, to see God's name really be made famous. And so out of our generosity, out of our giving back to God, what is His, we actually reap so much benefit. Of course, this is not the only reason why we give. God calls us to give. God calls us to be generous, to give back to His church, to the work that He is doing. You know, 2 Corinthians 9 uh, uh, verse 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. So I wonder what we can do Uh, this week to go what does it look like for me to give cheerfully not just to give not to just give what God has given to me and give out of that but to do so cheerfully I think the first step of doing that church is to remind ourselves why we give to remind ourselves that God is in control that he is good that we have a a power through him and that we can't afford not to give. It is so much better to put it in His hands, to live in God's economy, to work with God's currency and to trust in Him and to do that out of a cheerful heart. So I just want to encourage you with that today, Church, that there are many different ways that you can give. They're going to be coming up on the screen. You can give online. You can do uh, kind of monthly automatic giving. You can do text to tithe. There's a lot of different ways you can do that even in this season. But I know that you will find the same truth that we have found as we have given for many, many, many years is that we cannot afford not to give. We just love living under uh, God's economy in God's kingdom. So why don't we pray for our giving now as you prepare to do that, as you think about doing that, and as you're encouraged in that for the, the giving that's going to come in today. God, we thank you so much that we get to uh, give back to you and trust you with our finances and trust you with our resource. And it is incredible the things that you do with that, Lord. And we are thankful today that we get to receive uh, so much blessing out of that generosity, out of that giving. So, Lord, I just pray right now for every single person who is giving here today, God, that you would just bless them in incredible ways, Lord. And we, we just entrust this money to you today. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Hey Slay Church, hope you
7: guys are doing well. Good to see you all. Thanks for tuning in to Church Online. Look, one of the things that we're doing in this season is sharing some of the stories and testimonies in our church. And so we've got somebody uh, with us here today to share their story. Why don't you introduce yourself?
8: Hi, everyone. It's Kim.
7: Kim, why don't you share with us a little bit about what your relationship with God looked like as you were growing up?
8: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So I grew up in a Christian household, um, so born and raised, you know, and um, going to church was just something that we did, Uh, but I didn't really share with the people outside of my family just because most of my friends weren't believers and they just didn't go to church. Uh, But when I was younger, I was kind of, I was bullied a lot in school. Um, I actually had to move schools uh, one time just because like the racism there was so bad. but I'd often come home crying and in grade eight, I just, I really struggled heavily with suicidal thoughts. Uh, But by the time that I reached grade 12, I was also struggling with an eating disorder, anxiety, depression, and I was hospitalized a couple of times too when things got really bad. Um, But this kind of followed me into my first year of university. Uh, By that time I was kind of living a double life, uh, partying, going out with friends. That's pretty manipulative as a person. Uh, But at the same time I go home and, you know, uphold that good Christian image for the family. Um, But I just remember my, my, my darkest moment, probably, um, was just like on a back road, and I was bawling my eyes out and screaming at God. And I'd always had like a relationship with him. I'd often pray, you know, when I when I went to bed. That was just what I did. Uh, but I didn't really feel like he was there, just because I was I was going through all those those struggles. Um, but yeah, back to the back road. I found myself on the wrong side of the road, um, and I was well aware that there was a car that was coming in the distance, but I. I just remember being so done with everything and tired of fighting, uh, but something inside me that I really do believe to be the Holy Spirit was like, hey, pull over. Um, Your life isn't over yet. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, God really just pulled through in that moment.
7: Wow. So how did you start to develop that relationship with God, you know, after after that moment?
8: Um, I continued to isolate myself. and I wasn't really Um, eating much. I wasn't really sleeping much. I cried myself to sleep often. I just allowed depression to consume me. But the one thing that I did was pray every night. So I would be talking to God. And um, looking back now, I can see how He was kind of shaping my path and and, uh, bringing Him closer, bringing myself closer to Him. But um, yeah, it it wasn't until really that a friend invited me to go to Slate um, that it was like a turning point for me. Um, I remember like the first service that I went to I was bawling my eyes out just because people were so full of love uh, but I used to be that person who would just kind of come in sit at the back with my friend and then leave quickly and not really want to talk to people but if you know Slate you know that doesn't really fly <laughs> there but um, yeah that was kind of probably my, my the turning point is when I kind of hopped onto some teams and started getting involved um, I joined a connect group and um, so that just kind of showed me that community is such a big part of Uh, your walk with God, and it's really important just to have those people around you who rally alongside of you and uh, support you during those times. Um, But yeah, it's pretty clear to me that God was kind of shaping my path during those times. Wow. Um,
7: You're somebody, I think, that has a lot of joy. I think you inspire a lot of the people around you with the joy that you have. How did you maintain, how have you maintained that joy through all of the pain that's happened kind of in in your life and uh, some of the oppression that you found yourself in?
8: Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I'd say if I could just sum that up, just Jesus. Uh, my relationship with God is just a really important part. Um, I feel like my joy, like he's definitely the source of my joy. Like in Nehemiah 8, 10 says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that that's pretty much my life. Um, I feel like if I if I look back at all those moments that I was going through the pain and all the trials and stuff, it's just, um, he was the only reason why I, I didn't end up like not being here um so just like staying plugged in with him is probably like the source of everything like praying um reading the word and staying uh, just engrossed in like a christian community has been like a really important part of it all but um yeah definitely just staying plugged in
7: what would you say to somebody that maybe feels like they're in over their heads in their situation in life and that things are a little bit too difficult for them to handle
8: yeah um I just I, I firmly believe that God will never leave you and that he's like in the mist in the midst of all your struggles and all the trials and stuff um, he's there and the fact is that we do live on earth so we're gonna go through hard times um, and once you become a Christian it's not just like um, flowers and raises roses and daisies and stuff like that it's not just like a walk in the park after that um, you are gonna go through struggles but it's different when you face it with Um, such a strong and and consistent source Um, and when you're plugged into Jesus it's it's so much easier to overcome those trials um, and you find purpose in your pain so I'd say just like um, get involved get um, plugged in and start developing your relationship with Jesus Christ because that's pretty much the only thing that's kept me going (laughs) that's awesome
7: like Kim thank you so much for taking time today to share your story
8: no problem
0: Hey, as a church, we are moving forward in this ch- season of doing church online, and there's lots of different opportunities for you to lean into what we are doing as a church. Why don't you follow along on social media? I highly encourage you. Everything is posted there. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and uh, also our website, slaychurch.com, and you can stay up to date. We have, uh, for example, a lean-in devotional happening every Tuesday morning on Instagram Live at 8.30 a.m. We also have a prayer morning, like I mentioned earlier, at 6.00. 30 on Thursdays. On Fridays, we have communion at 12 at noon uh, that we would love for you to take part of. We also have our amazing connect groups. So if you are looking for community and hey, we all need community. We would love for you to join one of our connect groups. You can find more information on our website and we would love for you to join in and to all the things that are happening here at Slate Church. Hey, we have an incredible message ahead of us and I really encourage you to lean in, get that notebook out, get your Bible out and let's prepare our hearts for what God wants to speak to us today. God's word is active, it is living and it wants to speak into your life today. So let's, let's prepare our hearts and ask we welcome Pastor Brandon.
9: it's great to see you slate church and thank you for tuning in if you're a guest we just want to welcome you a special Uh, welcome to you and I mean we can't overemphasize enough the need to fill out a connect card if it's your first time or if you haven't filled out a connect card and the reason for this is because we can go through a little bit of uh, a debating process in our minds when we tune into something like this and and maybe not consider the community aspect of what we're doing as is important as just tuning in if you haven't been connected to a team at Slate Church or a connect group at Slate Church we just want to encourage you make sure you fill out that net card because that's actually going to be a really, really important thing for you to actually experience a community that you probably need in this season. Uh, as as it was introduced, my name is Brandon Richardson, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church, alongside my wife Emma, and uh, we pastor alongside Luke and Victoria Betker. We love pastoring this church, and especially in the midst of this COVID season, not because uh, we love COVID, we absolutely dislike COVID, but because of the way that our church has risen to the occasion during this season. Hey, we've got a we've got an incredible. Church, we've got an incredible uh, a group of people that are still pressing forward and still uh, living at the mission that Jesus gave us. I've got a really interesting, um, uh, interesting message I want to speak here today. You know, over the last little bit, um, God has been really been doing something in my heart when it comes to calling and what it looks like to live out the calling that is on my life, but not only my life, but uh, our lives collectively as a church. And so I'm in this kind of season of just working this out in my own life and uh, having God reveal some really big things to me. And I really believe that there, they are things that actually as a church, we all need to consider because when it comes to calling and purpose and meaning and all of these things, it's actually the thing that will drive us towards the rest of the smaller decisions that we're going to make in our lives. You know, there's a book uh, called seven Habits of Highly Effective Either People or Leaders by Stephen Covey. I was actually just listening to a recap of that book. I know I've mentioned it so many times. I was listening to a recap of that book uh, actually the other, the other night on a, on, a, on a bike ride that I was on. And it was just going over these um, seven habits uh, again and again. They're actually their principles for the way that we should live our lives. And one of them is begin with the end in mind. And the reason for this uh, that Stephen Covey says is because whatever we have in mind at the end of the road is is, is eventually what we're going to steer ourselves towards. And, uh, you know, the whole idea here is is very similar to what my, my dad taught me when he started teaching me how to cut the grass. He'd always say we had a big property. He'd always say, go pick one. Point in the distance and don't leave your don't allow your eyes to leave that point. And the reason for it is because if we pick a point in the distance and we don't allow our, our eyes to leave it, we'll actually begin to steer in that direction. And behind you, you will leave straight lines. You know how great of a of a, a, a metaphor is this for our lives that we would look into the future, see the the picture that God has for us, and to be able to drive in straight lines towards what He has. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a bump in the road. It doesn't doesn't mean that there's not going to be a a shrub that we've got to get around, but having our eyes set on Jesus is actually going to allow us to get around the obstacles and the hurdles that we face in our lives and drive in the direction that he has for us. I want to talk about calling because for some of us tuning in today, we have already called on the name of Jesus. We've already responded to his drawing us unto himself, to his chasing after us. We've already responded. For some of us, that is such a, that, that's such a foreign concept. Even for me to say, you know, choosing Jesus or, or to say something like becoming a part of the family of God. Maybe you're, you're watching today and you're going, what in the world does that mean? What in the world does it mean to actually find ourselves calling on the name of Jesus and accepting the free gift of salvation? Well, listen, I I want, before we even go any further to just, tell you today that the reason that we do all this all together and the reason we have so many volunteers making what you're watching a possibility right now is because we have a whole bunch of people a part of our church that really believe that Jesus is who he said that he is that he died on a cross to pay a price for our sins that we cannot pay for ourselves why did he have to pay that price because in the beginning of time we had a relationship with God that was perfect but we chose other than God in the Garden of Eden and we actually broke our relationship relationship with him. We saw a God that was not just angry with the people that had broken off the relationship, but you could see a a father who is disappointed that he could not have the same relationship with his kids. We are God's kids. And when we chose other than God, we actually really fragmented that relationship for the rest of uh, uh, the the rest of our, our story up until this point until Jesus comes into a heart. And that's why Jesus had to come because Jesus is a perfect being was able to lay himself down in order to draw us unto Jesus. All we have to do as people is accept the free gift of salvation that is in Jesus. He saved us on that cross by paying a penalty that we cannot pay for ourselves. We're not perfect enough to regain a perfect relationship with God, but Jesus did it. And all we have to do is put our trust in him and we can experience the same relationship that we had in the garden. And uh, there's there's a whole paradigm called an already not yet, which means, hey, listen, We can experience some of that relationship now when we accept Jesus, but we are looking forward to the day when Jesus comes again, where we can experience that relationship in the fullness. And so that's why we're so jazzed. That's why I'm so excited to speak today. And it's why so many people are excited to put this together for you today so we can experience church together so we can actually drive our lives in the direction that God has for us. I'm speaking today out of this idea of calling, out of this idea of pointing ourselves in the right direction, out of this idea of responding to the direction that Jesus has already put in front of us. I'm going to be speaking out of the book of Jonah, and uh, and uh, so maybe if you want to write down a title today, um, uh, I want you to just write down this title, Wake Up in Nineveh. Wake up in Nineveh. Listen, that's kind of the title, it's also the theme, it's a thesis statement, it's everything that you need for this message today. Because I wanna talk about this idea of Jonah. Here's the thing: we need to understand as a church that we have so many people a part of our church that actually have never uh, been a Christian for the for, for most of their lives. In fact, they grew up not being a Christian. And for some of us, we hear the story of Jonah and we go, "Oh, I, I know exactly what uh, what Pastor Brandon's is going to talk about. I know exactly where he's going with this. I know all the points. I've heard like ten messages on this thing." But for some of us, we're on the other side of the screen right now and we're going, "Who the heck is Jonah?" I mean, I've got a friend named Jonah. He works at a store and oh, we're talk- Talking about Jonah in the Bible, and I want to recap the whole story for you. Jonah was a prophet. A prophet was one that brought a foretelling to uh, people what, about what God was uh, was about to do. So, a prophet would show up and, and warn people, or encourage people, or or uh, uh, help people turn in a different direction. Because if they didn't, God was going to do a, a, a thing. And so, God would speak to prophets, and prophets would speak to people on behalf of God. Where prophets would get it wrong was when they would talk to God on behalf of the people. And so that's why, as pastors, we always want to make sure that we're talking on behalf of God to the people and not, not allowing our culture to actually uh, bring us to speaking at God about how he should be running things. And so Jonah as a prophet. Uh, he is, um, I mean, this is what he's done with his life. And, and he's been told by God to go speak to a, a, a nation, an empire, really, called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, they, these guys were scary people. They were, um, uh, we have actual historical writings, not, not in the Bible, but actual historical writings that are from, uh, uh, from this time period of different uh, um, emperors of, of Nineveh that, that were bragging on the, the things that they did to other nations. Now, I understand there's kids watching, so I'm just not gonna go into the things that they were bragging on. They're more despicable than anything that you could imagine in your mind right now. In fact, they were, um, they're pretty scary things and pretty evil people. The Nineveh was not just a people with an evil ruler, but the people of Nineveh were these people that boasted on being strong and, and, uh, bloodthirsty and all the rest of this stuff. And so when Jonah is called the Nineveh, you can just imagine the fear that is struck up in this guy. He, um, he's frustrated. He's fearful. He's, he's, he's wondering why in the world would God send me to Nineveh? Why couldn't he send me anywhere else? And so rather than going to Nineveh, um, Jonah books a one-way ticket to the place that he could find furthest from Nineveh, a, a place called Tarshish. Now, if you want to have some fun, just say Tarshish out loud right now. Um, it's, it's a difficult word to say, but he was going on his way to Tarshish. On his way to Tarshish, he's on a, on a boat with a bunch of other people, sailors, all the rest of this. I realize now that my last message included a boat and calling on all the rest. Uh, God's really bringing up some themes in my life, I guess. And, um, you know, he's on this boat and all of a sudden this storm hits and the sailors get really, really um, scared. In fact, they start calling upon their gods and they start calling out for help and nothing's happening. And so finally they say, no, or Jonah, what's up? And, and Jonah admits that he's running away from God, which the people already knew, but, um, they didn't realize that he was running away from that God, you know, the God of the Israelites, the God that, that a lot of people feared because of the ways that he protected his people for the way that he actually, um, uh, came alongside them. And, and when they realized, that Jonah was running from that God, they actually were filled with more fear over the fact that they had somebody on board that was running from that God than the storms around them. Jonah said, well, if you just throw me overboard, God will take care of this entire thing. And so what do the sailors do? They actually, at a fear of God, they repent before they throw Jonah overboard. They say, God, we don't know if we're doing the right thing here, but Jonah, this guy that we just met, said if we throw him overboard, everything's going to be okay, so please forgive us if we're doing the wrong thing. They throw Jonah overboard, and immediately the sea becomes calm. At the midst of the sea becoming calm, uh, God it says that God sends for Jonah a fish that swallows him up, and Jonah spends 3 days and 3 nights in a fish uh, fish's stomach until it spits him up on Land. I love how it, it uh, the the Bible actually kind of words it, and I'm not going to read it specifically, um, but it but it actually words that that God um, was doing Jonah a favor in sending a whale. I mean, who would have thought that that a, a fish, a large fish, uh, being sent to swallow you up was actually a gift from God? But hey, listen, there's probably some things in our life today that we need to be, see as a blessing from God that He sent into our lives that at first kind of saw uh, seemed like some danger at first may have seemed like maybe it was the wrong thing happening to us. Maybe we just need to thank God for what he sent into our lives because maybe it's been driving us to him all along after three days and three nights. in uh, in, in this, in this, uh, the belly of the fish, Jonah spit up on land lands on shore. And, uh, and, and, you know, while he's here, uh, you know, God reminds him of the original call that he placed on Jonah's life. Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and remind them that I am, uh, I, I want them to turn, otherwise, I'm gonna destroy them. So Jonah has another decision to make. Is he gonna flee again, or is he going to respond to the call of God? Jonah responds to the call of God, he goes to Nineveh. In fact, it's really early on in his time in Nineveh that uh, the people actually repent. The emperor, the king of Nineveh, also repents. He starts tearing up his clothes and throwing uh, coal on his head. And I mean, these are things that don't translate into today. And I don't have time to break down for you today. But basically, when the king does this, it means the entire nation is about to be flipped on its head. And that's exactly what happens in Nineveh as the entire empire of Nineveh uh, turns its, its face towards God and God looks and says, well, if you're going to turn from your wicked ways, if you're going to turn from your bloodthirsty ways, if you're going to turn from all this, then I will have mercy upon you. As one author that I read recently said, it's at this point where Jonah is more concerned with God's mercy than his wrath, because he was okay with, um, with God punishing Nineveh. He was just scared to deliver the message. But all of a sudden, Jonah goes into a bit of a sulking attitude. He starts, he starts moping around, and he finds himself outside of Nineveh um, crying out to God, why would you be, have mercy on these people? Because it's interesting how so many of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, want to point at the wrath of God and the things we read in the Bible that that make us confused and, and get upset with him for, for how, um, how, how how he can destroy a nation for turning his back on him. But when it comes to God's mercy, uh, we actually see that it's actually a greater problem to, for some of us. When God will have mercy on, on, on a nation, all of a sudden it it becomes something that is confusing to us because these people have done really, really, really bad things. How in a moment can God save a nation? But isn't that good news that God would save a nation? Because if he can save a nation, he can save an individual. If you think right now on the other side of the screen that you are not able to um, be saved by God because of the bad things that you've done, you've got another thing coming to you because it's based on what Jesus did, not based on what you did, that you are saved from yourself and brought into the family of God. If God can do it for the nation, the empire of Nineveh, he can do it for you. And today, my encouragement for us today and what God is bringing, uh, um, has, has, has been laying on my heart to bring to us today is really simple. We need to wake up in Nineveh. What does this mean? For some of us, we've heard this story over and over and over again. And the way that we've interpreted it is the way you should interpret it, which is when God calls you, don't run in the opposite direction of what he's called you to. But for some of us, I think that we actually believe that we currently find ourselves in Nineveh and therefore we're actually living at the calling that God placed in our lives. God called us to go. Well, here we are. We find ourselves in our proverbial Nineveh. I find myself in Waterloo. That's that's exactly where God called me to. I'm I'm in Waterloo right now, and uh and, and so therefore I'm I'm living out the call that God has on my life. You know, I believe that there's a bit of an out-of-body experience that we have that relates to the story of Jonah and the whale, but Jonah and Nineveh, that I want to highlight for us today. Have you ever had a, a an out-of-body experience? For me, I've had many of them. In fact, Pastor Luke and I. We're just uh, reminiscing this past week on an out-of-body experience that we had, uh, uh, you know, when we were in Florida. We uh, we actually went to Florida at the beginning of, of January. It was either 2018 or 2019 uh, or whatever year it was. I mean, 2020 is making everything so crazy right now. And uh, we went to Fort Lauderdale for a conference. To be honest, to this day, we don't actually understand what the conference is about. We didn't we didn't uh, pay for the conference. We were invited to go to the conference, not to speak, but actually to take it in. Uh, it was an all paid for, all inclusive trip to Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, you know, one of these days that we woke up in Fort Lauderdale, I believe it was our last day, we decided to go um, get breakfast somewhere. And so we found the nicest hotel we could find. We went to the lobby and in this lobby there, they, um, they were serving breakfast. It was an expensive breakfast, but we figured, hey, we haven't, uh, we haven't spent any money. This was a, an all inclusive trip. Uh, we might as well eat breakfast here. Well, they didn't just have us eat in the in the, the basement of this very nice hotel, which I, I mean, basement really um, doesn't uh, doesn't speak to how incredible this was. They actually put us out on the balcony that the uh, the uh, um, the balcony that overlooked um, the beach in Fort Lauderdale, and so there, Luke and I are having like a, a very romantic breakfast. I will add. I mean, I think everyone around us was uh, I, I, like newly married or on their honeymoon or looked like they're completely in love, and then they. Luke and I are just like two dudes at a conference that was paid for us having a completely out of body experience because we're going like, what do we, what do we do to, 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 deserve this? You know, we're, we're there eating our $20 bacon. And I just remember reminiscing on it. I mean, there's going to be a picture that comes up. It was beautiful. Um, the, the place that we find us our, found ourselves in the truth is, is that we had, Emma and I had a, uh, you know, a young toddler. I had a young baby at home and I felt like it was just escaping all of the world around me, a complete out of body experience. Here's the thing, just because we find ourselves in our proverbial Ninevehs, we find ourselves in the place that God called us, doesn't mean that we're doing the thing that God has called us to do for a lot of us, we go, at least I'm not in Tarshish. I'm in the place. I, I mean, I, I, I've responded. I, I I took the first steps towards the calling that God placed on my life. I'm in the workplace. God called me to be. I'm, I, I have the kids that I believe that God wanted me to have. For some of us, maybe we don't even have the, uh, have God as a part of our narrative. we we were like, Hey, we showed up in the place that we always thought we wanted to be. I got the job. I wanted to be, I'm in the family. I thought I wanted to be in, but In the story of Jonah, I want to encourage you to think about it this way, that showing up is not just good enough, especially for those of us that call on the name of Jesus, that uh, identify as Christians, that are part of the family of God. Showing up is not just, is, is is not good enough. In fact, I want to speak out of this theme today that we need to wake up in Nineveh. And for some of us, I want to suggest that while we're in Nineveh, our hearts might be in Tarshish. We might actually find ourselves stepping out and at one point stepping into where we thought that God wanted us to be. For some of us, 30 years ago, we were part of a ministry that felt like we were stepping out into what God called us to be. But the question today is, what are we doing with that calling today? Do we find ourselves in Nineveh, but our hearts in Tarshish? You see, Jonah, he... He flees from God. He gets on a boat. He takes a one-way ticket as far away from God as he can possibly go. It says that he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord, to escape from God the Lord. I mean, this is a terrible idea. If you want to hide from anybody, uh, a terrible idea would be to hide from God. You know, a, a terrible idea would be to hide from um, the very one that created you, to hide from the one that knows the very number of hairs on your head, as, as, as the Bible points out. Uh, we actually need to realize that, that, that God is a terrible person to play, a terrible being, a terrible God to play hide and seek with. Here, Jonah is, he's fleeing from God. He's trying to escape God. You know, in the season that we find ourselves in, I, uh, I've been convicted that I've been having my own escapist attitudes towards the season that we find ourselves in. You know, I started playing a game on my phone that started to take over my life a little bit more than I wanted it to. Um, I find myself not really wanting to read important things. I found myself... Um, you know, being disenfranchised with things that I was once really excited about. And now listen, God's been working on this. And if you listen to my message two weeks ago, you'll know that he's been doing some real groundwork in my life. And I thank him for it. But it made me realize that actually there's a lot of us that are pursuing escapist behaviors in our lives right now. In fact, we might find ourselves where we thought God called us to be, but maybe we're trying to escape from that thing over and over again. We're in Nineveh, but our hearts are in Tarshish, we're we're, we're we're escaping from the very thing that God is calling us to. You know, I'm alarmed when I look at the statistics that are rising in the states. You know, coronavirus is, is uh, claiming a lot of lives right now, and it's really terrible, but it's not the only thing that is rising in, in statistics right now. If you look at any statistics that are coming out of this season we find ourselves in, you'll see that domestic abuse is on the rise. You'll see that many addictive behaviors are on the rise. But I want to speak to some of the escapist attitudes that are on the rise, things like pornography and, and alcoholism and drug abuse and um, uh, 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 use of things that, 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 that we shouldn't be using. You see, in the midst of everything going on, uh, escapist behaviors are actually on the rise. I read uh, a quote on escapist behaviors and and basically the quote just said, um escapism the 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 end result of escapism the the um final result of escapism is actually a denial of self The thing that escapism does is it actually separates ourselves from the reality that we live in to the point that we no longer recognize ourselves in the moment we find ourselves. In fact, what it does is it starts to create a dissonance between us and the real world that we live in. And as we start to disassociate with the world that we live in, we actually start to disassociate with ourselves. And what this actually contributes to is an ignorance or an avoidance of wanting to deal with anything in front of us at all. Now, listen, this might be a very extreme diagnosis for some of us. For some of us, we're going, oh my goodness, that's exactly what what I'm dealing with right now. As I try to escape the world that I find myself in right now, I'm I'm experiencing a lack of care or empathy or compassion for the world that we live in. As as numbers are rising of people passing away from coronavirus, I I mean, I'm I'm becoming disengaged from the fact that that even matters. Or or maybe you're, you're finding yourself in things that you actually once really um, poured yourself into or really cared about or prayed about, you find yourself distancing yourself from that more and more and wondering, does this even matter at all? And a lot of this is because we're trying to escape the world that we live in. You see, God is not calling Jonah to escape. And I believe he's not calling us to, as a church, to escape right now. I believe he's not calling us to escapist behaviors. But I believe that he's actually calling us to wake up in Nineveh. To wake up in Nineveh to the calling that he's placed in our lives. To wake up to the purpose that he's placed in every single person's life that is on the other side of the screen right now. Listen, God didn't just call you to exist. He actually called you to come alongside. The very thing that he's moving forward in this world, which is his church, which is the people uh, bringing his love to the people that he loves most. And right now, he is calling us to wake up to the world that we live in. You see, when the sailors come and find Jonah, they find him below deck and he's lying down and he has fallen into a deep sleep. This is in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Jonah. And, uh, and it says that he had fallen into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your own God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. If you've ever tried to wake up somebody that is sleeping having an out-of-body experience, you'll know that this is a very difficult task. My daughter, Kensington, wakes up the exact same way that I do. And uh, my son, Theo, loves to wake up Kenzie. And this is one of the most funny things that happens in our place. Most mornings... Uh, Theo now wakes up Kensington and Theo and Kensington, they share a bunk bed right now. It's the cutest thing in the world. Um, the other day Theo told me, he's like, my, my bed is like a cave. And I was like, totally. And he just gets it that the, you know, the, the, the lower part of the bunk bed is just like a cool thing. Kenzie likes the top because I mean, she's the oldest and it's a position of dominance I think, and power and all the rest. And so she sleeps on the top and she loves that. But Theo, you know, he's uh, he's only uh, two years old, and so he'll he'll struggle to climb to the top of her bunk bed. He jumps in there, and in the sweetest voice ever, he'll keep saying over and over again, "Kenzie, it's awake time, Kenzie." It's awake time, and Kenzie is exactly like me. Uh, Ask my wife, ask my siblings, ask my parents. Growing up, I mean, I'm I'm the worst person to be around in the morning because Kenzie's rolling around, groggy, and what's going on? And I mean, she's she's waking up from one world, her sleep world, and she's waking up to another. I I I think right now, when Jonah's waking up in the boat, the captain is saying, "Call upon your God," is exactly what we need to be thinking about in our in the season we find ourselves in right now. We need to Wake up and start to call upon our God for the season that we find ourselves in. In Ephesians 5 verse verse 14, it says this, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Listen, if it feels like you are sleeping on your calling right now, I want to encourage you that all we have to do is ask God to help us wake up to the world that we find ourselves in and he will use us to bring his good news to the people that we find ourselves around. He will use us to reach the world that we find ourselves in. You see, calling is something that we all need to wake up on because it gives us purpose not just for another moment, but for the moment that we find ourselves in right now. Jonah wakes up to the calling that is in his life. He wakes up to the fact that he's been trying to escape God. He's been trying to avoid God. He's been trying to run from God. He's been waking up to his escapist mentalities. And now it's time to ground himself in reality. Listen, one of the things that uh, my wife often encourages me to do when I feel like I'm just in a fog or in a daze, or I just can't be present in a moment, she calls it mindfulness. I mean, this is um, a, a, a tool that psychotherapists is, have used for a long time. But in, in many ways, it's it's uh, it's exactly what God calls us to do in everyday life, which is to be mindful of the moment we find ourselves in. Mindfulness is a grounding ourselves in reality so we can face things as they really are. And there's so many different things to ground ourselves in ways that you can ground ourselves. One thing is just being aware of your senses. Being aware of what you're, you're, you're tasting in this moment and hearing in this moment and, and feeling in this moment and seeing in this moment and sensing in this moment and, and, and what it does is it allows us to ground us in reality. There's nothing that that allows me, it makes me more present uh, at any point in life than jumping in a cold pool of water. You know, um, I, I think you, know, you could be doing anything but all of a sudden the shock of water can wake you up to your senses. And you're pretty mindful in that moment. I see it with my kids. We just got water guns around our place. And I'm telling you, I've turned into the dad that loves to watch his kids run around screaming uh, because I'm shooting them with water guns. They're yelling all over the place. And uh, uh, in fact, just the other day, I'm going to put a video in in just a second. Okay. Watch this video. Can you see how I love to just like, I mean, like, how old is Claire? Claire isn't, is just over a year old, but spraying her gave me so much joy. And over, just so you're aware, just so you don't think I'm a a bad dad, she actually started to enjoy it. But it's this, this water that that grounds you and everything else. Jonah wakes up and the thing that he tells them to do is throw him in the water. Now, is he trying to ground himself in reality? No, but I think there's a, there's a point right here where all of a sudden he has woken up to reality The shock of the water is there. A fish swallows him. And what does he do the moment he is grounded in reality? Listen, the grounding didn't take place in him jumping in the water. The grounding took place in him realizing that he needed to get on off the board of his own. Uh, of his own destiny and, and, and his own pursuits and his own escapist He needed to get off the board of that ship and on board with the plan that God had with his life. And so that grounding of reality um, ends him up in the belly of a whale. And what is the first thing he starts doing? He starts praying. And listen, I can't overemphasize enough that if you find yourself wanting to be grounded in reality today and not escape it, the biggest thing you need to do when you get back to reality and back to calling and back to purpose and back to understanding that there's something that you need to do with the rest of your life that is more than just playing video games, more than just binge watching another show, more than just adding another short show to your repertoire, more than just opening up another can of that beer you know that you don't want to open, more than just clicking one more site, one more Link to something you know you probably shouldn't. More than just getting angry one more time at your kid. When you wake up, and get it, and, and start to get off the board of your ship and on board with God's plan for your life, the first thing that you need to do is not turn to yourself and how you can muscle through, but to turn to God in prayer for what He wants to lead you into. Listen, church, I can't overemphasize this enough that when we wake up to reality, what we can't do is go back to reality in the same way that we have been doing things. So many people right now is, are, are calling on government officials and all the rest and calling us to get back to a normal. And I saw a great post. What, Why what, what do we want to get back to a normal? Is it just to get to our economy back? Or should we start to dream of a new normal that we want to get back to? And listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not debating whether or not we should go back or we should drop lockdown. That's not what I'm saying. But this person was pointing out that the normal that a lot of us want to get back to is being overworked, too busy, not enough time for relationships and a whole laundry list of things that we were living in before. I wonder if we could go back to reality when this coronavirus is over. I wonder if we could go back to reality even right now, escape from the escapism and go back to reality right now with a new posture, a new heart, a new mind, full of mindfulness, full of being grounded in God's word and a new posture towards prayer and what God wants to do in our lives. You know, anytime I speak about calling, people say, well, what is my calling? The calling hasn't changed. You know, God called us to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the call that is on the church. It's the call that's on everybody on this, uh, watching this right now. Because we have been called to be a priesthood of all believers, making God accessible to the world that we live in. And in that calling and in that call from God, where it meets the specific what we should do for God here on earth. it essentially, it's the the crossroads of living that that, that call out, making disciples with honesty and integrity and with pursuit and a drivenness in our spirit. It's where it meets our natural um, inclinations and talents and all the rest. You have a a talent for art. That's probably where God's call and your calling are going to meet. Okay, God's call and your calling are going to meet where you get serious about making disciples, but apply all the gifting and talents that God's given you in that direction. You see, when we find ourselves in that place, we need to understand that there's no prescription to what the calling is going to look like in your life. So when I speak on calling, a lot of people say, well, what does that look like in my life? All I I can say to you is it looks like whatever, um, whatever God is speaking to you and being obedient to that. And what what um what uh, jonah learns from this entire story and from his experience is that as he begins to pray he's led back to the very same thing he was supposed to do in the beginning which is go tell nineveh if they don't turn from their ways i'm going to destroy them thankfully in the end god's mercy wins out the repentance of the people turns god's face towards them and all of a sudden these people find themselves worshiping god who were once doing everything they could against god listen I don't want to spend too much time on that because I just want to um, reiterate something that Pastor Luke spoke about in year one of our church, which wasn't that long ago, by the way. We're not even three years old. are It's pretty incredible what God is doing through our church in just three years, isn't it? But Pastor Luke spoke something and he said, whose salvation is on the other side of your obedience. I think we get so tied up in what calling looks like and is this my calling or is that my calling that we actually fail to just live at our calling, to actually just put the front, our, our, our first uh, foot forward. You know, when I went to go purchase a house with Emma, um, I didn't know anything about purchasing houses, but there was a desire in my heart great enough to figure it out. Let's stop making excuses for why we can't live at our calling in the season that we find ourselves in. Let's wake up in Nineveh. Let's wake up in Nineveh, let's ground ourselves in the reality that we actually find ourselves in right now. And let's pray that God would direct our hearts and open up the hearts of the people that we're meant to reach and living at our calling today. On the other side of the screen, maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You gotta know that God will pursue you in such miraculous ways. You know, the Ninevites were being pursued by God through Jonah, all of this happened so that the Ninevites could come to know God. Maybe you're here today and you've been feeling pursued by God for a long time. I want to pray for you. If that's you and you want to respond to that and say, actually, you know what? I want to follow God today. It's as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your met that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that those who do that will spend eternity with God. And so if that's you today, I want you to bow your heads all across wherever you're watching this from. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Jesus Whoever is making that decision in their heart right now to follow you for the first time, I'm praying that you would be with them, that your spirit would draw near to them and that you would show them that you are God. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just made that decision right now, I want to encourage you to either fill out a connect card if you're watching on YouTube on demand after our Sunday is over. I want you to, I want you to uh, click on the link that is in our description. Or if you're watching live right now, I want you to actually to click that button in the comment section right now that says raise uh, uh, raise my hand. And that just is is you making an, uh, an outward uh, declaration of an inward decision that you just made. Don't worry, that button's not gonna like direct you to something and somebody's gonna show up your head in the next minute. Really, all it is is to indicate, hey, I'm making a decision right now to follow Jesus. I want to pray for everybody else on this uh, uh, here right now. I want to pray for you if uh, maybe you've just been waking up to your own calling in this season. Listen, this is something that God's been doing internally in me, but I really believe that he's trying to do it for the church right now. Not just our church, but the church at large, saying, "Hey, just because we find ourselves in a different reality than we knew three months ago, doesn't mean that my call is any any less." Maybe you need to wake up in it today. Maybe you need to ground yourself in the reality of the place that we find ourselves in. Maybe you need to pray for the hearts that God is uh, that you need God to open up, or maybe it's that you need to pray for God to open up your heart for the hearts that God wants to reach through you. Whatever it is, I want to pray for you right now. Can we bow our heads? Jesus, thank you that the call right now is to wake up to the call that you've always had on our lives. God, I'm so thankful that you haven't given up on us. Help us to not give up on the world that we live in. God, the world is being polarized right now as we speak as to what governments should do, not just with coronavirus, but even as it comes to racism and other things that we're seeing in society right now. Amidst all the polarization, we center ourselves on you and we trust in you, God, that you will guide us into your calling. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, it's been good. Thanks for tuning in. I'm gonna pass it back to Pastor Victoria. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.
0: Hey, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, again, that is the best decision you could ever make. We are so excited for you as you start this journey of faith. And we would love to connect with you. We would love for you to fill out one of our connect cards and just indicate that you made a decision to follow Jesus because that is a decision made in private, but it's meant to be lived out in public. And we wanna come alongside you, resource you any way that we can, answer any questions you can, and just do life with you. So we would love for you to fill out that connect card. And we also have something happening after all of our service is called Next Steps. And that is exactly what it is, Next Steps. So if you made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe you've been tuning into our, our church online or maybe even before when we used to have services in person and you just want to get more involved or learn more about us as a church, we would love for you to t- attend our next step session. It's only about 10 to 15 minutes. It happens right after uh, this, this service on a Zoom call. Uh, and we would love for you to connect with our, our site pastors and leaders in our church in that Zoom call. And again, just answer any questions you might have and tell you a little bit more about our church. So why don't you attend our next steps? And we also have Slate Kids happening. So why don't you stick around families and join in for all the Slate Kids fun. Uh, It's going to be awesome. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for Church Online today. We pray that you will have a blessed week and we will see you again next Sunday.